our Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the gift of life and for the opportunity to come into your presence every day. Lord, in particular, this last day, that God Almighty will continue to wash us by the washing of the word. We ask, Lord, that your spirit will take charge in our hearts to remove the rocks, to remove the tongues that make your word fruitless. Lord, in our lives, in my own life, that you will speak only that which will bring life to our hearts. Thank you because, God, this is your word, not mine. And you will do that which you have intended to do in the lives of your people today. To the glory and praise of your name forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We want to thank God for today. For his faithfulness. In keeping us. So many things to happen around us. And uh, God keeps keeping us. And we are not taking it for granted. I want to thank our daddy and the rest of the clergy for the opportunity we have to be here. And by so doing, he is preparing us as ministers. And my prayer is that each and every one of us, as he prepares us, we go to our platforms and shine forth to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Our topic today says that he that presses unto this hope purifies himself. He that presses unto this hope purifies himself. So there is a hope to which we are pressing. There is a mark where we are pressing unto. And the Bible says Whoever is doing that must do something, purifies himself. And uh, we have read our passage, we will read other passages as we go on, but I want us to go back again to 1 John 3, so that we look at what we are studying today, and from the beginning, understand what we mean, what hope we are pressing onto. Praise the Lord. So, let's read from First John chapter 3. I'm reading from verse, okay, from verse 2. Now, I say, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And we know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of, into God's family does not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Praise the Lord. So that's our passage and we'll be referring to this passage again and again. But I want to start by saying that we have been hearing about pressing, 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 pressing since the beginning of the year. And I think by God's grace, it's achieving the purpose that it is intended in our lives. 
You know, Paul said, when I say these things over and over again, I'm not saying it to hurt you. It is for your own profit. So, I don't know if it's doing that to you, but it's doing that to me, that as I keep hearing this message over and over again, from one uh, point of view to another, midweek service, Bible study, Sunday service, the message is sinking down. It is getting to back to my heart that this message, this journey is not a casual stroll down a leisure lane. You know, when, when they say pressing, you just say, think, oh, let's press. Pressing requires a lot of effort. I don't know if you have ever watched this documentary of how salmon, the fish they call salmon, how it procreates. Salmon will go down the the a, a fresh water down the, the you know go along the path where the river is flowing go down fertilize but it has to swim back against the tide against the uh, predators against so many odds back to where it came from so that it can lay the eggs then the those who lay the eggs will fertilize the eggs and then they will die if you have ever watched it, it will create a picture of what pressing is. You are fighting against all odds. There is so much against you. In that documentary, you will see predators trying to pick the fish while they are swimming. The tides is against them. They are pressing. They are fighting against that tide. They must go. And many of them eventually make it back to their source, lay their eggs, and many more salmon fish is filled in the water. But many of us, we take our Christian life like, it's a very casual thing, no, I've been saved and so I'm saved, there's no other problem. There is a fight. Paul actually told us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers. We're fighting against people you don't see. You don't ask, you are not fighting against uh, Mr. A or B, you're fighting against demons that the enemy will position in places that you don't even see or know. And they are sent after you to cause one problem or the other. To pull you down in one way or the other. So there is a battle. If you have not taken that into your heart, I want you to note that this morning. That you are in a battle. Even people who are Christians ahead of us. Have you ever looked at the wordings of this song? Christian, seek not yet repose. It tells you that there is a war. Principalities and powers, while you are sleeping, while you are there, you know, doing your own casual thing, they are mustering their own out there without you seeing them. And they are waiting for what? Your unguarded hours. And they are coming. So if you don't know about it, you will be degraded. In short, you will become so victim so many times that sometimes you will find it difficult to get up. Praise the Lord. So it is a serious affair. It is something very serious that we, might, we must take time to look at. And we're fighting to reach a mark. We're pressing onto a particular hope. And I want us to look at what hope we are pressing onto. He said in verse 2, 2b in particular, I said, But he has, dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. The likeness of Christ. Being like Christ. Let's also go to Philippians chapter 3. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. I'll read it from this New Living Translation. Philippians 3 verse 12. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. But that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Christ likeness. That's the mark we are going to. That's the mark we are pressing to. Because 
The Bible tells us in the next verse, in John, in 1 John 3, to, that's verse 3, now it says that when we, when we, when we, whoever has this hope, who has ever has this hope of being like him, of becoming like him when we see him, must do something, must purify himself, because we know what, that he is a pure. So it's like, we already know what Jesus is like. He is the only person that God has given a pass mark. You know, when we read in Matthew 3, 17, the Bible says that when that time of baptism came, it said that Jesus came out and the dove, the, 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 the Holy Spirit came in bodily form. And he said, this is my son. In him I am well pleased. That's the only person that has been given the pass mark. The, he's the only person that God has said, this one, I have nothing else. There's, there is nothing to add to his life. That's why we sing, Oh yeah, the amazing man. Oh yeah, the amazing man. That's God's verdict of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has everything that we are trying to be. The way he talks, the way he, he, he looks at things, what he does with people, he's already achieved everything. He's there. He's that perfect person we are looking for. And that's the mark we are pressing onto. Because it's in being like him that we receive the goal of his calling, of our calling in him. Praise the Lord. So, we are pressing onto that mark of Christ likeness. You, are, you can also read Matthew 3.17, Matthew 12.18. Jesus is the only one that God has said, with him I am well pleased. So, we are pressing on to be like him. And, uh, the Bible has given us a key. He said that if you already know who he is and what he is like, and we are here, we are saved, he said, those who want to really be like him, when we see him, purifies themselves. Purifies himself, purifies herself. And uh, we want to, I want to make it clear here that it was not uh, God's plan. It wasn't what God said. It's not in the scripture that as you are born again today, you become perfect today. There is no problem again, no sin, nothing again, nothing will ever happen. If you go with that concept, you will go with so much guilt that you will be unable to run this race. Do you understand what I've just said? That if you believed in Jesus Christ and believe that that day you got born again, everything becomes perfect. No sin, nothing. No, you won't, sometimes you won't even be tempted. You won't commit sin again. You won't faint. You won't fall. There is nothing that will happen. You will enter into a serious error. You will enter into error. So that any little mistake you make, you will find yourself killed way down with so much guilt that you can't uh, continue. But the plan of God is such that as we get born again, we begin to grow in grace. I want us to read Ephesians 4 from 11 to 15. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of God. Then we will no longer be children, be like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind 
of new teaching. We will not be, will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies and clever, so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in a, every way more and more like Christ. There is, there is room for growth. God's plan is that just like newborn babies, that's why he said to us in Peter, he said, like newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the world. So as you're taking the sincere milk of the world, you are growing. There is room for growth. But growth will occur in any human being if that human being has the right nature. If there is the correct nature in a man, growth will take place. If the nature, if, if, the, if the constitution of the genes is not right, that's why you see some children years after, they are still babies. They are still being carried. That means that something is wrong. So if that, if that nature of Christ is actually in us, we will grow from one level of glory to another. But what happens amongst us is that so many people, they don't even have this contact. The proper apprehension has not taken place. So, we, we, you know, we are in the church, but we don't understand what God is talking about. And so, you just pick the pattern of the church. The way we say praise the Lord, hallelujah, and sometimes you forget what we say. You will say praise your God, because he's not your God. You say praise your God, praise your God, praise the Lord. You know, you have learned the pattern. You learn the way we dress. Sometimes you know that Christians will like to wear collar neck, you know, tight like this, and it's okay. You dress very well, clothe yourself, and nothing, all the other things that can show Christianity on the outside, they are there. But the right seed that we bring about growth is not there. I think that is a major problem. That's why we think that so many people will see this person say, ah, but I'm a Christian now, and you are telling the person about some of the things that he or she is doing. And he doesn't understand that a Christian is not supposed to even be associated with that. So, if you are here today, and I feel, I feel a burden for many of us who are born into the Anglican church. Many of us that just started going to church very diligently, we never had that contact. We never had that encounter that changes a man and turns you in the way of that growth that we are talking about. My prayer is that the word of God will not pass you by today. That you will have a proper encounter. You know that uh, Dr. Nweke was talking of metamorphosis. As you grow from egg to lava, from lava to pupa, from pupa to adult, it's already there, it's, it's instilled, it must happen, if you have the right seed. And I think that the problem of the church is that so many people born into the church, growing into the church, do not have the right seed. And that's why we are quarreling about, why is it right to keep a boyfriend or not to keep a boyfriend? Because the seed is not there. The seed is not there. Because when, once that seed is there, you will begin to grow. And you will keep on growing. I want you to ask yourself, do I have a touch? Do, have I had this encounter? It's not something that you will, you know, keep pushing aside. Maybe when we go from here, sit yourself down and ask, have I had this contact with Jesus? This contact that is able to turn me around from the pathway of sin to the pathway of life and righteousness in Christ. Have I had that contact? Or just I just became diligent in the things of God. And because mm, 
Everybody who is diligent, they will say, you are a child of God, now just go. Be doing this for, be serving the Lord. And you keep serving, but you don't know the person you are serving. Something is wrong. When every other person is not there, the questions will still come up. Your name is in the church book, but your name is not in the book of life. I want you to make amends today. Praise the Lord. So there is room for growth. And that's why when we do our follow-up, when we do our follow-up in study five, we ask the, the new convert, can you recall what your life was? Can you recall what your life was before you gave your life to Christ? You know? And for some people, that's the point they now realize, that there is no change. There is no change. That blind man in, in John chapter 9 said, I don't know what you are talking about, but what I know is that, he said to I see not, but now I see. And now see, if you were saved as a liar, and if at the point you are doing that follow-up, you are already at uh, uh, the fourth study, or let me, let me talk of something now. Let me talk of, you were a thief. And you, you repented. And you are still stealing. What were you saved from? If you, are, if you are a fornicator and you are saved, and you are still a fornicator, what were you saved from? So there is a turning around. There is, there is a turning around that brings about the growth. Praise the Lord. And... Uh, when we talk about big sins, when we talk about fornication, adultery, stealing, and what are the other big sins? Maybe you help me. Eh? I don't know. Many of us will just say, okay, thank God he has saved me from these ones. Hallelujah. I am saved. There is no problem again. I just, there is no problem. And that's why many of us as Christians have reached what we in chemistry will call a steady state. You know, nothing is happening again. Nothing is happening. You're not growing. You're not going back. You're neither here nor there. And when we sing, I'm pressing on the upward way. All of us will say, new heights and gain. Lean every day. But can you ask yourself, are you gaining new heights? Are we gaining new heights every day? So we get to that steady state and we are there. We are not moving forward and we know it. And our life is just, ah, thank God, I am no longer one of, even Paul separated the two, the, the classes of sin, you know, when he was writing to the Ephesians and Colossians. There are some things he wrote about and said, these ones should not even be mentioned among you. These ones, nobody should mention, they, they, they not even talk of you being a fornicator. These ones should not be mentioned among you. So he agrees that there are, there are things that we just get born again and by the grace of God, those things, we put them aside. But there are things he also say, now let's put off this. Well, we are going to talk just one about one or two. We want to look at some of the things that we, some of us do at the steady state where we are. We know that sometimes some of these things we do, we know they are wrong. We know they are sins, but somehow we have come to accept them. There is nothing I can do about them. I want us to read Hebrews 12.1. Praise the Lord. He said, the sin that so cleverly entangles us. The sin that so easily besets us. So, they are always around us very easily. We are falling in and out of them. And uh, for many of us, it's no longer an area to make an effort to overcome. We are content with them. Uh, and when you look around in our environmental Christianity, we look at uh, maybe one of the people who you think is spiritual. 
let me say you look at uh, maybe uh, any of the priests and you say, ah, the priests are even doing it. They are even doing it. So nobody is even exempt in this matter. There is no effort. There is no, you don't realize there is a battle to be also fought to overcome that matter. I want us to read and see some of these things, some that we will read. I want us to read Colossians chapter 3 verse 8. Okay, let me read from verse 9. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a, a greedy person is an idolater, in a, an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't, be lie, don't lie to each other, for you have been stripped of your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Praise the Lord. I want us also to read Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Unclean lips. Unclean lips. You know, Isaiah was a, a prophet. And he has been prophesying before we got to this chapter. But he said at the beginning of this chapter, he said, In the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And one of the things that his closeness to the Lord brought him to understand is that, Look, Isaiah, you are a man of unclean lips. And for many of us, until Uzziah dies, we, we are not likely to see that we are men of unclean lips. Unclean lips, the way we speak evil of other men. Unclean lips, the way we rain abuses on our children. All of us. All of us, without exception. Unclean lips, the way we discuss politics. That we don't have details. You know that one of the things that is wrong about discussing this Nigerian politics is that you don't have the details. You don't. There's so many things you don't know. So there is no way you can talk about it without telling lies. Unclean lips. The way we run down some of our subordinates in the office. Unclean lips. The Bible says, speak evil of no man. Ah, each time I read that scripture, I think, I feel very terrified. I will say, God, is it, how do we do it? When we say so many things that we are not even sure of, when we criticize people from our own sentiments, all of them are unclean lips. And for many of us Christians, this is not an issue. That's the point I want to bring out. It's not that we don't know they are wrong. But I want us to know that as much as you prayed and overcame lust and overcame fornication, you also need, we also need to be praying to overcome these things. But what we actually see is that we are like, these things are there. It's grace. We will, by the time we get there, the grace of God will cover it. I want you to know that if we are pressing on to that hope, we need to purify ourselves. Because when we see him, we shall be like him. When we see him, it is not that time that there will be a, and maybe he will send an anointing, and the anointing will produce an instant holiness and make us complete. Ah, there will be no, no complaint again. No. He says, he that has this hope, as we are pressing onto this hope, it is now that we must do what? Purify ourselves. Unclean lips. 
I want us to look at another one. Colossians 3 mentions, 3.8 mentions anger. Anger. And we will quote, be angry, but do not sin. Fine. But, <laughs> how many times have you been angry? Did you not sin? Did we not sin? Unforgiveness. When I was at Nsuka, one of the elders we had in the fellowship that talked about uh, unforgiveness, the thing she said has never left my mind. She said, unforgiveness is the sin that will take Christians to hell. Unforgiveness is the sin that will take Christians to hell. Because many of us have our different styles of forgiving. We have different styles of saying, mm, I've forgiven how, I've forgiven him, but let her just be. And you know why you will know that you have not forgiven the person? Immediately you see the person, your heart will skip a bit. Something is still wrong. That's why you will know. But because you said, I have forgiven the person, let it just be. You remain there. And that's why I remember that in this church, there was a prophecy that said, deal with your baggages. One Sunday, we thought we have dealt with our baggages. And we came another Sunday. God repeated the prophecy. Which means many of us are not even serious about handling it. We are not interested. We just feel that the way we do it, it's okay like that. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians 9 verse 27 did warn us of something. Paul warned us and told us his own strategy. Verse 27, he said, So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like athletes, training it to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's the worst thing that can happen to any man. That's the, the worst thing that can happen to any man. That you carry this Bible all these years. Deprive yourself of Worldly pleasures, in quotes, and after doing it, you become a castaway. I don't know when you gave your life to Christ, but since 1984, I've been putting off and throwing off so many of the things that ordinarily that would have been pleasures for me. And how will it be that after these years, I myself will be a castaway? God forbid. God forbid. I want us to know that God's intention is that we make every effort. Peter said, 2 Peter 3, 14 said, Make every effort. Make every effort. Make every effort. And when you are making every effort, it's like you have a white cloth and a particular spot has spots or wrinkle. What do you do? If you soak the whole cloth and wash it like that, that spot might not go. So you need to get the spot and apply pressure. Apply effort so that that spot can go. Make every effort. Make every effort. So it's not just a matter of, eh, I didn't try now, these things are there. Uh, everybody's trying now, nobody's perfect. We're not saying that anybody has attained perfection. Paul said it over and over again. I'm not saying that I have attained. I have not, I'm not saying that I am already perfect. But one thing I do, I move on, I press on. And that's one of the key things that will keep us going. At any point in time you feel you have attained, you have reached, you have become very spiritual, you stop growing. 
You stop making effort. You stop doing anything just to get rid of things that shouldn't be in our life. Praise the Lord. So, we shouldn't be there. We shouldn't. I want us to read that particular passage, Second Peter 3 verse 14. Can you help me read it? The person with the amplifier, Daddy. So, beloved, since you are looking forward to these things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless, in peace, that is, inwardly calm, with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. Praise the Lord. So make every effort to be found in him at his return. Not after he has returned. Because we are pressing on to him. The Bible says that when we shall see him, we shall be like him. So don't reserve your pressing on to you and say, okay, it's when Jesus comes now, we will be like him. No. Aspire. Make every effort to be like him now. So what do we do? Let's quickly look at what do we do so that we can press on while we are still here. 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us, examine yourself. Examine yourself. If I have to run your spiritual checkup, I may condemn you for what you didn't do. So the Bible tells you, examine yourself. But if you also read Proverbs 16.2, let's read Proverbs 16.2. I, I know you will be able to read Second Corinthians 13.5. Proverbs 16.2. It says, people may be pure in their own eyes. But the Lord examines the motives. So when you now examine yourself, is it yourself that the Bible is saying, examine yourself? Because all of us know that if you set your exam for yourself, you will pass most of the time. You will pass. And your mind reminds you, this person is like you still have issues with the person. You say, ah, that guy, the way she treated me, I don't want to be insulted. Let her just be. You have passed yourself. You can talk about another thing. Your financial integrity with your husband. Ah, is he not my husband? The money belongs to us now. If I even if I don't tell him all the things I do with the money, the money is our own. Okay. You pick up another thing and you keep defending. So when the Bible says examine yourself, he's saying Expose yourself to the light of the Spirit of God. So that the Holy Spirit will be the one who points out to you what you need to do. It's not introspection. Introspection will just make you look at yourself and say, Okay, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing the other one. Okay, I'm trying in this one. Mm -mm. Let the Holy Spirit examine you. When the Holy Spirit examines you, there are people you will need to go and meet to ask for their forgiveness. There are people you will need, need to go and see again and say, I thought this thing that happened between us has gone out of my mind. But please, it's like it's, it's coming. Ah, forgive you, no, let's just... There are people we have cut off that uh, because something happened, you just cut, cut them off. We need to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. There was a woman that dealt with me when I was doing my PhD. It was when I was talking with another person while we were going in the bus the other day that I found that somehow I, my heart is not free with that woman. So I was telling God I need to do something so that I don't hang on this bitterness and you know keep going and maybe think oh it's over you need to deal with it but you must accept what the Holy Spirit is saying 
You know, uh, 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 let me give you this example. There was, when I buy things for my friend, and we, 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 she's very liberal with me. I don't give her accounts. You know, when I, uh, uh, the money remains, invariably the money has become my own. It's not like when I run errands for daddy, I'll go and give my account and give, her, give him chain. And then he will say, take the chain. But when I buy for Ruby, eh, it's not like that. It's that I assume that, is it not Ruby? Let me keep the money now. Until one day I had a time to wait on the Lord and pray. And the Spirit of God said to me, financial integrity, even with Ruby. You know, some of us, we take many things for granted. And because it's there, what, what is it? Until you come close to God, until you bring yourself open to the Spirit of God, He will now tell you the things you need to make amends. If it's about you just passing yourself, you will pass. But allow the Holy Spirit to do the examinations. The second thing we need to do constantly and with diligence with diligence, is to expose ourselves to the light of the scripture. To expose ourselves to the light of the word of God. That's the, that's the soap that will wash us. Wash the, the ones that are like the big ones. Wash the small ones. And uh, however you read the Bible, Peter says, Giving all diligence. And students here understand what it means to give diligence when you are reading. You will put every effort. You will do whatever you need to do to understand what you are reading. We need to bring in diligence in the study of the word of God. And then we also need to set spiritual targets for ourselves. We need to set targets of greater heights to which you can go to. Yesterday, last year, all the years behind, the only way you know how to do your Bible study is you wake up in the morning, you read your devotional, and you end there, and you go. You have never thought of bringing out another time to study your Bible. It has never entered your heart. Can you live here today and say, apart from my quiet time, I need a time of Bible study. It will make a difference. It will make a difference. You don't just sit down every day, I am like this. Every day, I'm like this. My friend once said that smallish people, that she likes them because when you see them every year, I'm like this. That's the way some of us are in spiritual things. Every year, I'm like this. There's no growth. You are not adding anything to what you're doing to get better. So what are you doing when we say you're pressing? So set targets. Give yourself some things more to do. So that you will become more like Jesus. And finally, we also have to set time to seek the Lord. Uh, when we read that our God is able to do far more exceedingly and abundantly, above all that we're able to ask or think, we stop there. But that passage says, in his working, not for us, but in us. In us. So if you're thinking that these things, that God cannot handle them, he can handle much more. He can do much more. Let, let, let it not be that there is any aspect of our life that we now look at and say, this thing I'm going to do. And like people from my town, we say, Ebum Putowa, Ebum Ghana. Eh? God can handle far more exceedingly and abundantly in His working in my life and in your life. If only you will come. 
That same faith that made you, that made it possible, and you were able to overcome the big things, that same faith is also available in overcoming the small things. But the, the truth is, will you call it a problem? Will you identify that this thing is a problem that will not get to me, that will make me not to be like Jesus by the time I see him? Does it bother you? Is it, is it something that you even pray about? Is it something that I think of and say, Hi, God. Hi, I've done it again. Why will I do this? And it becomes a burden for you to fast and pray. We need, we need to get to do some things that show we are pressing. Because I, I, like I said when I started, we are, pressing is not a casual uh, effort. It's not just something easy that you can do and stroll like that. There is need for a fight. But those that have not even been apprehended at all, those that the Lord has not held, the, the Lord has not taken you captive, the Lord has, you have no contact at all. What we are saying, you know that it's wrong for you to see a mechanic with all the dirty and grease all over the body. And you say, ah, see, see dust on your dress. Do you do anything like that? We can't. You can't tell a mechanic in his grease that, look, look at dust on his nature. That, the nature of that work is all about dust and picking grease. It's only somebody who is dressed in white and the white is shining. You say, ah, there is dust over here. Clean it. That's what we are saying to people who are already wearing the robe of Christ's righteousness. But for those who are not clothed at all, you need to start from there. You need to start from there. The first prayer we are going to take as a consecration, as we turn back to God, and we are going home and we are saying, Lord, this area of my life, you can do something about it. You will change me. You will, it's, more, it's more important than the car you are getting. It's more important than the house we are building. It's more important than the money that is in your purse. We need to take it up now. So that with our mouth we can sing and consecrate ourselves to God. And after that, our chaplain will do the altar call and still invite people who come to this church and stay and hear all this message and go back unaffected. Don't go today like that. Can you allow the Holy Spirit to run through your person now and identify where there is an error, something that is removing the likeness, the, the nearness to the nature of Jesus? Can you allow the Holy Spirit to go through your life now and identify them? Can you begin to ask God to help you to deal with these things. So that it will not be at the end, after everything that we have done here, we will be cast away. God forbid. Ask the Lord to help our lives. Ask God. I'm asking God about my own life. Ask God to help you. Those things that you have accepted, that we have accepted, and said, eh, there's nothing we can do about it again. Can you tell God about them now? As we're praying concerning our lives and the things that we must put to death, seeing we have these exceeding precious and great promises of being like Jesus, of growing to be up to him, of living a life of purity in heart, in mind, and in spirit. We will cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of spirit and of flesh, perfecting holiness, presenting ourselves in holiness, growing in holiness, in the fear of God. Can you still tell the Lord, this is me, this is me, Every of the areas 
that still remind me of the impurity of a life you are not going to be pleased with. Impure lips, unclean lips, unclean hearts, evil speakings, hypocrisies, envies, unforgiveness, and the like. The lustful ones, the ones of cravings, the ones of greed, they are as many as they come. But every one of them that is not of the nature of God and that has easily clung by you, maybe the ones that take yourself and your heart away from indicting on the Lord, bring them before him and receive before the Lord grace to cleanse yourself from all the filthiness of flesh and of the spirit. Second Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7.1 That we might be made free, picking diligence, to be found of him without spot, blameless, and at peace with God, at peace with man, and at peace in your heart. As the Lord has mercy on us, and receives of us, and grants us grace to live for him, and live in him, that every impurity and every filthiness of flesh and spirit will put them to death. We cleanse ourselves by the spirit. And we make up our mind to live unto him. That the glory of the Lord will shine perpetually on us. And at every moment and everywhere. In dark and in the open. Among known and unknown. We may be seen as those who are pleasing to the Lord. In thought, in word, in action. Presenting ourselves diligently. Before the appearance of Jesus Christ. May the Lord grant even this cleansing this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ.